Hello and welcome to the Game Podcast from The Times. I'm Natalie Sawyer. And I'm Gabriel Marcotti and we thank you for joining us on this fine Monday morning. And Natalie, I'm excited. Guess why? Tell me. Because with us in the studio, it's the Chief Stats Officer from The Times, Bill Edgar. (laughs) Brilliant. And down the line from somewhere in West London, not too far from Matthew Syed's house, it's Matt Dickinson. Later on, we'll be looking ahead to the Champions League quarterfinal second legs. But we start at Anfield in the latest instalment in the title race. After Manchester City went top for a couple of hours with victory at Selhurst Park, Liverpool returned to the summit with a 2-0 win over Chelsea at Anfield. Now, it was an emotional afternoon, the 30th anniversary of the Hillsborough disaster, the passing of Tommy Smith last Friday. Matt, how much pressure was on Liverpool in this match? Um, yeah, plenty, um, for the reasons you've just said, and, and obviously the fact that it was probably their, their toughest game of the run-in when you're just looking at the quality of teams that they'll face, and the fact that you know City, they have to assume that City are going to keep winning as well, so plenty of pressure on them, and um, well, I guess for a little bit of a, a while, whether it was pressure or just sort of almost a bit too much trying to stay in control, they, 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 they took a little bit of time to, uh, to warm up. But when they did, um, well, wow. Well, Gab, we've talked about some lacklustre performances from Liverpool in 2019, despite the results. Matt just said, wow. So are they starting to play well again? I, they did play well. And I, I thought what was significant here is that um, I thought Chelsea played really well too. And it's funny also because Chelsea-wise, he went down the popular route of playing the homegrown products, Ruben Loftus-Cheek and Callum hudson Adoy who I thought especially Hudson-Odoi had a really, really poor match. He was one of the few Chelsea players who did. And I'm curious, I want to get Dicko on this. Is this the kind of thing where Sarri bowed to public pressure, starts Hudson, I think it was only Hudson-Odoi's second Premier League starts, and starts well, him in a huge in, game? I mean, he's seen, we've seen a bit more of, of, of him and Loftus-Cheek, haven't we? So it's not, you know, it's not like they've suddenly sort of appeared out of nowhere. But I, I mean, I was slightly surprised. I thought coming going there that he might... Um, he might, shall we say, sort of stiffen up, stiffen up the team, go for a, a, a more cautious approach. Um, but uh, yeah, you're right. I think I, I think Chelsea Chelsea played well. I mean, I think the trouble with trying to predict anything at Chelsea at the moment is, um, well, who can? I mean, you know, Sarri was on the brink not so long ago. Obviously, huge expectations that of Hazard um, being off to Real Madrid. We've got you know, there is so there's the the, the fighting the transfer. Ban, and then there's the, the much bigger, broader picture of Abramovich uh, and his interest or not. So, you know, there is there is a heck of a lot of flux at Chelsea. Callum Hudson-Odoi getting a five in the big match ratings. And we've seen Liverpool, you know, sometimes digging deep hook or crook. But I thought in the first half, you know, Chelsea defended really well. And then Liverpool kind of blitzed them with those two goals in, in three minutes. Maybe the worrying thing is then Chelsea came back and had those chances uh, with uh, with Eden Hazard, and then of course Liverpool had, had chance at the end too. So I just thought this was just a very a very grown up, very mature performance um, from Liverpool. And on paper, this was the toughest opponent they'll face the rest of the way. Indeed, yeah. What did Mo Salah get? 
Ratings-wise? Most, he got nine. Nine. Well, of course, it was a sensational second goal from him, scoring in back-to-back Premier League games now. Uh, he was on a drought, but now he is the joint top scorer in the division. So, Bill, could he win the golden boot? Well, he's level with Aguero, so he's got every chance of doing so. Um, he's looking really, he's kind of bubbling, you know, every time he touches, it looks like he's going to explode. I mean, he's absolutely uh, brilliant at the moment. He's, uh, I, I guess, you know, looking back last year, he, he got 32 goals to win the Golden Boot and the, the average over the past few years is the high 20s to win it. He's got 19 with Aguero so it looks like it might be something like 22 that will win it this time so it's a bit lower but um, but he's, he's certainly playing really well. I mean just playing so boldly he gets the ball and he, he toys with the opposition he'll take it up right up close to the, the opponents two or three opponents um, just to kind of you know draw them in and then play the clever pass off so it's not just the his finishing he's got um, sorted out. He's, he's, it's his all-round game. He's, he's playing amazingly, as are all the front three. I mean, Firmino is incredible yesterday, winning the ball uh, like a, a central midfielder. And as Gab says, that game against Chelsea and then also the recent game against Tottenham, they were the two tough ones and uh, on paper. And sure enough, they did turn out to be tough. Perhaps Liverpool a bit lucky to beat Tottenham, but they deserved it yesterday. Now you'd expect them to win the, the last four. When I look at the last four, Dicko, it's Cardiff away, Huddersfield at home, Newcastle away, and Wolves at home. I think probably the likeliest one where they'll drop points is Cardiff away, um, simply because you know it's almost last roll of the dice for Cardiff. You could see the game. If they, going- if they lose to Brighton t- tomorrow, I think you know that that'll feel like they're um, they're pretty much you know. Yeah, but surely they won't lose to Brighton, so that's not well, possible. Well, but yeah, anyway, that, that that game could. I think I think that game could be easier, obviously, if uh, if they've effectively been KO'd by then. Yeah, but you look at the other games, and you know Huddersfield, where the guy just keeps talking, shouting about fighting and fighting, and I mean he's like a parody of himself. Wolves on the last day of the season, I think it might be difficult for Wolves to, and that's at Anfield, it might be difficult for Wolves to have the right motivation at that point. Newcastle away with nothing to play for and Rafa on the bench. In fact, this is something we were debating earlier, and I'd like you all to weigh in here. Let's enter Rafa's mind here. On the one hand, you have a chance to help Liverpool. On the other hand, if Liverpool don't win the title, you still become, I think I'm correct in saying, possibly the only living manager not named Kenny Dalglish to have won major silverware, by major, I mean Premier League or uh, Champions League silverware at Liverpool. Does does that matter to him? Does that enter his mind? I'd hope not. I mean, I think you know, these guys, they sort of guard their legacy to an extent, but I would like to think it's, you know, it's, it's a game of football and he won't, he won't waste too much time getting um, distracted by what if this and if that means that and this could mean that, uh, you know, I'd... I, I think I think a, a more relevance will be just how his players run out and how motivated they they are themselves about a game, as you say, right near the end of the season when they're when they're safe um, and and not playing for a lot. So, but I, I'm with you in the sense of of I mean, you look at those fixtures and you have to think that Liverpool on form should um, should win all four of them. And uh, yeah, you can't expect 
Benitez to go easy on Liverpool. I mean, if he did, if Liverpool did win the league, then it would mean that uh, Klopp was the manager who you know, has won the league for Liverpool, whereas Benitez failed six times in a row. So, you know, in terms of his legacy, it's, it's better that Liverpool don't win it because otherwise he, he uh, pales in comparison with Klopp. Okay, but if I were Rafa, I'd say, okay, fine, but I, you know, I'm, I won the Champions League. What did you do, Klopp? How'd you how'd you get on in Europe other than losing yeah, well, a bunch could, of finals? They could continue the argument outside. So you could turn it around, and it's a win-win for Rafa anyway, right? Yeah. If Liverpool beat him, then it's great because Liverpool win the title. And if they don't win it, well, that's okay because it's still me. <laughs> exactly. But uh, let's talk about Manchester City then. The fact is that if they win all their remaining games, they will retain the title. So we've got to ask, where will they drop points? These are the fixtures they have to look forward to for the remainder of the season. Tottenham, Man United, Burnley, Leicester and Brighton. The next two weeks certainly look very pivotal with that uh, home game against Tottenham and then an away game against Manchester United to Bill. Mm, well, really, leaving aside the Man United game, you'd expect them to, to win all four. Tottenham is at home. So if Liverpool win their last four, it's going to hinge on the match at Old Trafford. Um Okay, you'd expect City to win, but um, it'd be interesting to see what sort of atmosphere there'd be at Old Trafford. Um, Obviously, United aren't that keen on Man City, but they're probably less keen on Liverpool winning, especially as it'll end this, you know, 29-year run. United are keen on getting back into the Champions League next year. Yeah, Yeah, they are, that's true. But, I mean, you could imagine the... I remember the Everton-Man City game a couple of months ago where uh, Everton... Fans' heart didn't seem in it because they, they were, you know, they were worried about Man City losing, giving Liverpool a, a boost in the title race. I remember, uh, I think, twenty ten, Liverpool were playing Chelsea, penultimate game of the season, and uh, Liverpool fans were sort of half wanting Chelsea to win because that would put them ahead of United, which indeed happened. They did win two 0 and, and Chelsea the picked. That year. Uh, yeah, they won the title. So. Um, you know, it can have a, just a tight little effect on the atmosphere if, if the the fans aren't, the, the heart isn't completely in it. But um, it, it does look as though that match might be the key one. Mm. Uh, Matt, what about you? Do, do you think City can drop points? Uh, I, I certainly think they, they can. I mean, Tottenham home or away, you know, um, is 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 obviously a tough fixture, and a Manchester derby will um, will test them but you know and, and obviously we have one thing we have mentioned is, is just how the Champions League is going to affect them obviously huge games over the next couple of days uh, and and we've seen that you know say for example with Guardiola's choice of team at Tottenham away you know he's, he clearly feels that he's got to sort of shuffle shuffle resources a little bit um, took a, took a bit of a chance I felt with that first um, leg away at Tottenham. Um, and you know, I, I think they're more than capable of coming back and still getting through the tie. But how they do it, you know, the, the momentum they take from that, the, the way that he feels like he may have to shuffle his team thereafter, um, will be fascinating. Um, and obviously Liverpool, where you know, as things stand, you'd expect them to be facing Barcelona in a couple of Champions League semi-final ties. So there's there's a lot, you know, some big choices for the managers ahead about getting the right team on the right night. Bill, have we ever seen a title race like this in Europe? Because obviously the losing team could finish on 97 points. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, it's now quite a realistic prospect that Liverpool could not win the league despite having lost only one match all season, which would be the first time in English top-flight history. It's only happened once that a team has lost two games in a season and failed to win the league, 
which was Liverpool themselves uh, in the Xabi Alonso season in uh, 2009. There have been uh, one or two cases of teams not uh, losing any games at all and failing to win a, a title elsewhere in Europe. 1979 in, uh, in Italy, Perugia finished second to Milan, didn't lose any of their 30 games. They had 11 wins and 19 draws. <laughs> That's where they were. They came up short. And uh, the year before, Benfica was second to Porto. Again, didn't lose any games in, uh, in 30 but um, yeah, this is extraordinary. At the, at the current rate, if they go at their current points per game rate, um, Man City will end up with a, the third best top flight season of all time and in terms of points per game and adjusted to three points for a win and Liverpool will be um, joint fourth best. So to have it, you know. I, I want to introduce this unpleasant topic for the Premier League, although I think it applies across Europe. Uh, there's a fascinating stat buried in an excellent column in the game um, stat by me, actually. <laughs> Arsenal are on pace to finish with 75 points this year, to finish sixth. Now, the remarkable thing is, most years in the 80s, 70s and 80s, that would win you the league. Even in the 90s, on two occasions, it would have won you the league. Most seasons, that would have meant it's a top three finish. And most would agree that, you know, Arsenal... It's a rebuilding year away from home. They're terrible. I think they've conceded in every single game in the league away from home. You know, it's not like this is some sort of, you know, Invincibles Mark II. It's a team in, in, in transition. And yet they basically beat up everybody who's, except for the five teams ahead of them. Dicko, I'm shocked by how quickly we've gotten used to this norm. I mean, I know we know there's a massive competitive imbalance of resources. And I know Premier League cheerleaders will point, well, these are six big clubs who can take points off each other. Yeah, that's great. But everybody else really stinks. And Leicester was kind of, you know, uh, an exception. I don't mean stinks because it's their fault. It's just because the, the, the wage bill, everything is so, is so top heavy. I mean, are you concerned about this at all? The fact that, I mean, all these teams kind of lining up to basically be punching bags? Well, and Bill's got that stat in his um, also excellent column this morning about yeah, the first top flight case of, of three seasons in a row with the same teams filling the, the top six places. Um, so, you know, I mean, we're, we're, we're getting the sort of stats back up of, of what, we, what we can see, um, as you say, with the, the sort of strengthening of the, of the top order. I mean, on a week-to-week, season-to-season basis, I think we see enough variety that it doesn't feel such a such a pressing problem. Uh, you know, as you say, we, we we've had a freak of of a Leicester, but we, you know we see sort of I don't think City are necessarily going to be expected to dominate English football for the next ten years. I think when Guardiola leaves, and, and obviously we, we, we've got a potential significant FFP reckoning there. Um, yeah. There, there could easily be turbulence ahead. I think you know Chelsea up and down, Arsenal. Um, you know. Can have the resources to come back. You know, within that six, there is there is a sort of dynamics. Super League wise, as you wrote about, I think it was last last week. It's back on the table. Clearly, back being discussed. Whether sort of via the back door, who could possibly entirely rule it out? If we're talking, you know, the next ten to twenty years, these debates are just going to keep coming round thick and fast. This season, with your subscription to The Times and The Sunday Times, you can watch every highlight and every goal from every game in the Premier League. It's just £8 for an eight-week trial. Well, it is the second leg 
of the Champions League quarterfinals this week. And while Liverpool hold a two-goal advantage over Porto, City's tie with Tottenham very much in the balance. Spurs lead 1-0 ahead of the return leg at the Etihad on Wednesday. There's no Harry Kane, of course, and there are doubts over Deli Ali, who has a broken hand, and Harry Winks, who has a groin strain. Matt, can Tottenham get the job done? Uh, they can, but obviously, yeah, those injuries are, are, are not going to help. I mean, they've coped without Kane and, and, and done so pretty well um, already. I mean, I have to say, you know, Winks would be a, a, a big loss on certainly on the first leg performance that that midfield really got about City. Um, I was critical of, of Guardiola's selection of that. I mean, some people responded by saying, you know, <laughs> who, are you, who are you to question the, the great Pep? But uh, I think, you know, even he is not necessarily infallible. Um, I suspect their team will be different um, for, for this leg. We'll certainly see De Bruyne start. I, I, I don't think there'll be any doubt about that. Bernardo Silva was missing for the first leg. Um, Mares played and played pretty ordinarily to me. I was uh, very surprised that he was in the starting eleven. So I think City will be back. They will be, you know, far more f- sort of back to their sort of fluid uh, front foot best, and I think it's. You know, Spurs are going to have to pull out one of their their great sort of you know dogged fighting performances of the season. I I was trying to imagine what how Pep might line up, and obviously we, we've talked we, we talked about it in fact last week with with his tinkering, with his you know being clever, and you know you saw that last week by insisting on playing Gundogan, and it's come back to bite him before on many occasions. I think this is where he goes back, and he goes back to to basically being pretty conservative I think in terms of he plays his best players it's weird I know Stones has had some difficulties but the fact that you know he came on late in in the game at the weekend suggests to me that he might start and play it safe go Stones Otamendi you've got an issue at left back if you really don't trust Mandy yet then play Laporte at left back nothing wrong with that and then Fernandinho you know I know he skipped the game against Palace but I'm sure he'll be fine and then I agree with Dicko. You get De Bruyne in there, or I assume again Bernardo Silva will be. I mean, he looked lively enough in the 25 minutes he played. Maybe you play Bernardo Silva on the wing with De Bruyne and David Silva, or maybe you drop David Silva since he's played a lot, and you play De Bruyne and Bernardo and have David Silva ready to come on. I don't see the purpose of Riyad Mahrez in a game like this when you have Leroy Sane, um, and you're fine, and just go out there and say we're better than Spurs, and we'll just play our own game and we'll beat them. And, and mm, I, I, th- I think that City will have to go back to their normal style. I mean, Guardiola's devised a system uh, with with the two attacking uh, midfielders very advanced behind a front three, which is not really seen before, and it's just blown pretty much everybody away. And then suddenly, then against Tottenham, to drop that. It was just extraordinary to have two just change the system completely. You thought, what are you doing? You know, and and that was the one game where they've been really outplayed, properly outplayed this season domestically, though. Um, so I'm sure he'll go back to the normal system. And if Fernandinho is fit, he'll play. De Bruyne and David Silva will be just ahead. Bernardo Silva and Sterling on the wings, probably, and Aguero up front. And you'd probably just say they'll do it, but um, could be very close. How funny would it be if he doesn't? Like how much? Like, like, like if he goes and does something wacky again, like, you know, he, he plays 4-4-2 with Gundogan and Fernandinho <laughs> as a double pivot and Jesus and Aguero up front, or or he drops Aguero to control the midfield, like, or he does something 
it, it would be an eye-opening <laughs> selection, that's for sure. And uh, as you said, said already, Gab, we spoke about the fact that he does like to tinker in, in these uh, Champions League matches. But it's been a long time since Pep Guardiola himself has won the Champions League. So, Bill, the pressure is very much on him. Yeah, well, 2011 was the last time he won it with Barcelona. He had Since then, he's had four semi-final uh, falls, as it were. Then he had the two campaigns with Manchester City, the last 16 and now the quarterfinals uh, last season. So, um, so yeah, he'll be desperate to get a, a third title to back up his legendary status. And they have won nine of the last ten in all competitions. So they seem to be coping, Matt, very well with the workload. Well, it became a bit of a sort of... Pep got a bit touchy when we were sort of talking about it last week with him after the Spurs game, sort of asking about the you know the rotation of that strange selection, and he was saying it was purely tactical, and he tried to put a very positive gloss on it. Um, and I think he made a sort of slightly barbed comment after yesterday about you know I thought we were meant to be tired, you know look at how we played. So there's clearly a bit of sort of a, a grit for him in 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 that debate. Um, you know and the fact is that you know players like De Bruyne have come back at a time when yeah they seem you know he seems to have picked up form and. Uh, fitness uh, and, and certainly his passing vision. Mendy, maybe you know a little bit rusty still, but you know he's back back and starting. Um, so that's you know he's 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 pretty much looking at uh, the full resources of a, of a of a you know incre- incredibly in depth squad. I mean it's one of the most in depth squads we've ever seen in English football. That's for sure. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Across Manchester, United also face a 1-0 deficit in their quarterfinal with Barcelona, but they have to travel to the new Camp on Tuesday. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, of course, has happy memories of this stadium, scoring the winner there in the final for United two decades ago. They did the improbable and won 3-1 at PSG in the last 16. So, Matt, can they shock Europe again? Um, in a word, no. Um, I, I mean, that, that, that one improbable was certainly the word for the the, the, the win at PSG. I mean, yeah, they did it um, and and plaudits to them for that. But, I mean, the more you reflect on that game, the more you wonder how the hell they did it. PSG looked like they were going to win by five in the first uh, at times in the first half hour. How many reasons do you want? They're not they're not playing well enough. I know they, they, they obviously beat West Ham, but that was by the skin of the teeth. Um, I think Barcelona beat them at Old Trafford's playing, you know, in first, maybe second gear. And you, you certainly expect them to be better. I, I, yeah, I just, Barcelona got to rest and, uh, a number of key players at the, at the weekend. I just think it's, it's, it's just expecting too much. And I think we've just seen over the last um, month or so that, that the job for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is, well, it was always going to be big. And, and now they're sort of staring it in the face of just what a... Yeah, and and the yeah the appointment of him that just 
shows that there is a, an element of punt about it because it would be a huge job what he's got at Man United for, a, for even a hugely experienced manager with a fixed vision of what he wants. And, and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is, is not that. You know, he's, he's shown promise. Um, but, he's, yeah, he's got a huge job on his hands. Do we need to see more from Paul Pogba, Bill? Yes, he was uh, lacking a bit in the, the first leg against Barcelona. I thought he was one of the very few United players who did well against West Ham. I mean, Solskjaer, he's really... Uh, he started off very keen on four-three-three, but results changed a bit, and now he's really kind of <laughs> trying every formation in the book. So who's going to play left-back, for example? It sounds like he, Solskjaer's got a bunch of conundrums to sort out, because Luke Shaw, of course, suspended for picking up a second yellow against Barcelona. Well, they missed him against West Ham. They played Rojo there, and he didn't last that long. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. Realistically, who's going to play left back? Yeah, well... Um, do you play a back three, since that worked so well last time? Or what, what do you do? It's hard to second-guess him, really. He might well play a, a back three. Could put Dallow on the left. Dallow is played right-back, left-back, right-wing-back, left-wing-back, right-forward in a front three. Dallow at left-back? Is that uh, what you do? Put Yago left-back and... Up against Messi, yeah. <laughs> and Ashley yeah. Young get right back. and Yeah, he's, uh, I mean, it, it doesn't look good on paper. I mean, they did, they did. Uh, I thought, did reasonably well against a, a sort of a very low-key uh, Barcelona in the first leg. And McTominay, uh, he's not for once, re- no, he won't play left. Looks really good. I mean, yeah, look at the, they've, they've won away to Juventus and won away to PSG this season. So you thought, well, that looks promising. But both times they were very lucky. But I, I guess that'll give them some sort of belief that they, you know, they'll go into the game thinking they do have a chance. Dicko, does the absence of Luke Shaw become like an alibi here? I mean, we, we struggle to know who can play left back, right? Well, I mean, is this what we've we've come to? Um, well, I, I think I, I think there'll be a few alibis if, um, if 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 the game goes as as most of us would predict, which is that they're um, they're they're not as good in in most departments, but um, they go there with a a puncher's chance as long as you've got you know someone someone like Rashford on the on the counter. Or, but uh, you know the fact the fact is, I think in the first ten fifteen minutes of that of that game at Old Trafford it was the possession count was something like 10% which um, obviously Barcelona didn't sustain that couldn't sustain that but I just it, it just felt like they they came in got all the ball and and, and Barcelona drifted off uh, almost and, and Man United managed to get a bit of a toe back but I, I, give me a reason why they get through I'm, I'm struggling to see one we haven't mentioned Porto at all and as you know we've got a huge following in Portugal and I don't want this to be seen as Premier League arrogance, Stanley. Okay. Liverpool are 2-0 up from the first leg. I thought Porto actually played pretty well in the second half. They're going to have some important players back from suspension, like Herrera. And like Pepe, who's, you know, who can be a bit good at the spithousery, I think is what you, you call it, right? <laughs> um, are we being way too dismissive of Porto? Um, well, they're, they're a decent team, but I think Liverpool have proved themselves uh, to be very strong in Europe in a 2-0 home Especially win. Away from home, yeah? The record away from home yeah, is exceptional, not, not right, to, in Europe? Uh, not, not this season, but uh, okay. I, don't, just, just I, don't, <laughs> I don't see that as a I don't know, I just kind of think we're... I, I just think this is going to be a lot closer than people, than people expect. I think the Chelsea game potentially took a lot out of Liverpool. I'm just going to throw that out there. Maybe I'm totally wrong. Maybe they'll beat them 5-0 again. Who knows? 
If you're looking at uh, the, the, the so-called lighter weights of Europe left in the competition, I mean, Ajax are the one to watch. They, they were, you know, in one way you really should watch their match against Juventus. It could be, if they don't go through, it could be the last time you get to see this uh, amazing team. Cause De Jong is off, perhaps two or three others will go. I mean, they were absolutely incredible against Juventus in the first leg. A thrilling uh, team to watch. The one thing they're missing I think is a, a striker who knows where to position himself to finish off these amazing moves because they have Tadic as a kind of a false nine. Watch Ajax, bear in mind that Frankie de Jong came off uh, injuries, had a muscular injury and is a strong doubt for the time midweek, which is I think is a real shame for the neutral. It is the return of our weekly predictions game where we attempt to correctly predict the score of five featured matches. Now, before I went on holiday, I, I was leading 16-10. But because I've been away for a few weeks and we feel sorry for your gab, I've... No, it's because <laughs> if you don't show up, you forfeit a match. All right, you're very keen then that I forfeit a match or a week or whatever. So let's say the score going into this weekend was 16-12. What is it, 16 13 sounds more fair to me, but whatever, 16, 12. Let's just reiterate the rules then. Each weekend we give ourselves a point for a correct result and then three points for the actual correct scoreline. So we both predicted a Sunderland win over Coventry in League One, but we were wrong, extremely wrong. In fact, if any of our listeners managed to correctly predict a 5-4 win for Coventry at the Stadium of Light, please do get in touch because you're either a psychic or a time traveller or possibly both. Mm-hmm, indeed. Uh, we both predicted a Manchester City win at Crystal Palace. Gab, you went for 2-1. I went for 3-1. Thank you, Jesus. Bonus points for me. Yeah, although Jesus' goal came very, very late and wasn't really necessary. But it still counts. I went for a Liverpool win, 1-0. You went for a draw, so I take a point there. And again, let me point out that while Liverpool were fully deserving, that Mo Salah goal, you know, if he does that 20 times, he's not going to score again, so whatever. Um, You predicted a draw in the general derby, whereas I called a Sampdoria victory, so we were all square. But you predicted a Cardiff win at Turf Moor. Not only did I predict a Burnley win, I again guessed the exact scoreline of 2-0. Okay, but this is not fair at all no, because, as Neil Warnock pointed out, the referees screwed <laughs> Cardiff over very, very badly. Come on. It still stands as a 2-0 win mean. for Burnley, which means I am victorious this week. So it's now 17-12 to me this season. So unfair. Enough of this. How about some quick hits? After nine defeats in a row, kind of nine, Fulham finally win, beating Everton 2-0. Nico, it's also the first win for, for Scott Parker. I don't want to talk about that because Fulham are down and nobody cares, but the game was marred by a real horror tackle from Andre Gomes on Alexander Mitrovic, which went unpunished. I kind of think that this is even worse than the other one, the knockout tackle, for which I think, you know, knockout should probably be sent to Siberia or something, to a gulag. I'm not sure anything could be worse than the knockout tackle. I was sort of, I watched the knockout tackle as sort of, this sort of weird nerve. I, I burst in, out laughing when I first saw it just because it was so outrageous. Um, but he does stuff. He plays to the crowd and stuff, right? And he, he does stuff like this. Oh, it was, but it was, I mean, it was sort of, you sort of tackle you expect to see on a sort of Cantona YouTube montage of, you know, Cantona's maddest moments. I think but back to, to Andre Gomes, this was really, really dirty. And you could actually hear Mitrovic screaming. And Mitrovic, I'm assuming, is a big, hard man. I know Gomes can take care of himself, but if I'm Andre Gomes, I would not want to meet Mr. Mitrovic in a dark alley at this stage after what he did to him. 
trying to read into the mind of a of a um, out of control footballer. That one is beyond me. It's a shame too, because Gomes is rather handsome. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I can see what you're saying. Yeah, mm. more so than Mitrovic, in fact. Uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to say he's playing. I mean. Uh, I was, I was purring over Gomez only the previous week as well, but watching his, some of his passing and thinking, wow, what a player, where's, where's, where's he going to end up? I mean, he's um, a beautiful player in many ways at his best. Mm. Anyway, right. uh, if the season began when Ralph Hassenhuttl took over from Mark Hughes, Southampton would be battling for seventh place. Bill, please, will you explain the transformation? And is Hassenhuttl heading for greater things? Well, he may be. He's changed to three at the back from the four that Mark Hughes was tending to play. The, the Southampton's game has speeded up a bit. He's introduced a couple of young players in Angus Gunn, the goalkeeper, and Jan Valerie, the right wing back, have done really well. Ryan Bertrand at left back has come back from injury. Two players on kind of the fringes of England, James Ward Prowse and uh, Nathan Redmond, both hit form. And uh, even Shane Long, I mean, you know, his finishing is awful despite being a really good all round player. Um, he scored two games in a row, so that, um, to inspire him to do that is good enough in itself. And, and uh, there's a, yeah, so just a sign that Southampton might be returning to the days of. Uh, Pochettino and Kuman when they were averaging around 60 points per season, but um, we'll see how he does next season. Uh, Natalie, one for you. Now, I know that Ipswich have been relegated from the championship, and I know Lincoln have been promoted from League Two because we've discussed both on recent podcasts, but how is Steen Smith doing these days? <laughs> He's doing very, very well. Uh, it was fifth versus sixth on Saturday. Aston Villa took on Bristol City without their captain, Jack Grealish, who had a fever, and this Villa. Is Gary Johnson's. Um, Bristol City, right? Uh, Gary Johnson's son. Yeah, close enough. What's his name? Lee. Lee Johnson. Yes, indeed. And Villa managed to win that game 2-1, which was their eighth victory in a row. Tammy Abraham instrumental again, scoring his 24th of the season. And let's not forget where Villa were when Smith took over. They were 12th. That was back in October. They now look certain to make the playoffs. There's a five-point cushion between themselves and the team just outside the playoffs, which is Middlesbrough. And, of course, they were the losing playoff finalists last season. So he's doing very well. He still has O'Kelly with him, right? Yes, he does. Richard O'Kelly. Now, Neil Warnock is an angry man again. His Cardiff side lose at Burnley 2-0, thanks in part to some dubious officiating. Does he have a point, Matt? If he does have a point, it's drowned out by all the... Um, ranting nonsense he comes out in the, in the other weeks isn't it I mean the world's smallest violin will play for Neil Warnock over any officiating decisions I think um, you know there were a couple of you know interesting handball choices the, the fact that one was overruled by Mike Dean you know, is never never a good look causes confusion but yeah Neil Warnock and referees are, I'm, I'm afraid sympathy is in very short supply Imagine the handballs again. I'm just going to remind Neil Warnock, since he doesn't, probably not paying attention, that the protocol is if the ball comes off your head or another part of the body and then strikes your arm, it's not a penalty. So Ben Mee was totally uncoordinated and weird, but the ball came off his head and then hit his arm. That said, I feel for Warnock. Cardiff got completely jobbed. Ashley Barnes belongs in a cage sometimes, the way he behaves. Yeah, I, I can imagine how angry he, he would be after, after losing in these conditions. And it's not the first time, by the way, that Cardiff got jobbed by officials. Yeah, but a couple of weeks ago was, was much worse. I mean, I, I, I don't see this one, but, it, but it's still back to that issue of um, making their job harder or easier, and he makes it harder. Uh-oh. 
Many of us assume Bournemouth were, quote, on the beach. Uh, they weren't, as they put five past Brighton at the Amex. Uh, we've already discussed Dicko's mate, Anthony Knockhart. Uh, so, Bill, you don't need to go there. We're heading towards a proper relegation six-pointer when Brighton take on Cardiff. Who's your money on? Ooh. Uh, I mean, that was a demoralizing uh, day for Brighton, so that's not going to put them in a good mood. I and mean, the one thing, they, if they look at the table, they'll see that five points clear of Cardiff, a much better goal difference. They've got a game in hand. So um, the pressure isn't really on them because even if they lose, they should, they should still avoid uh, relegation. I can see a pretty doer game, probably nil-nil, maybe one-nil to Brighton. Won't be much of a distraction from the Champions League on the same night. I was looking forward to this. Have it as a sort of a third option, and you're playing it down. Gap, one for you. PSG and Juventus both only needed a point this weekend to become champions of France and Italy, respectively. So I assume things went according to plan. No, they didn't um, actually. Although in uh, in, in different circumstances, uh, Juventus basically rested everybody ahead of their uh, Champions League exertions. Uh, they had like three or four debutants. One of them, former England under-20 striker, Steffi Mavadidi, came to the ranks at Arsenal, on loan at, at Charlton. Charlie, the producer, and the others who, who follow the Young Gunners blog, nodding in agreement, knows all about him. Uh, they lost 2-1 at Spa, but the amazing one was Paris Saint-Germain, who, of course, don't need to rest anybody for the Champions League because they got eliminated. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, they were playing Lille. Now, they've got a ton of injuries. They... Everything that could go wrong went wrong. Bernat is a freaking idiot sometimes. Got himself sent off after 10 minutes. Then they had two injuries uh, during the first half. Chaco Silva and somebody else whose name escapes me right now. Um, They ended up losing 5-1. Not since the year 2000 did somebody put five goals past Paris Saint-Germain in in France. Their heaviest uh, defeat against a French side in, in Yonks. And weirdly... We have to give credit to Lille because this is a really good unit. They're second in the second half of the season. They got more points than everybody, even Paris Saint-Germain. But still, it does feel like very much a damp square. But now they've got a midweek game against Nantes. They can win the title there with a draw. But the weird thing is they're just running out of players because now Bernat is going to be suspended. Verratti got himself injured again. I think Thomas Tuchel might have to play himself just to make up the numbers. Well, that is it for now. Many thanks to our guests today, Matt Dickinson and Bill Edgar. Remember, you can subscribe to The Times and The Sunday Times, too, to enjoy award-winning journalism online and on your smartphone or tablet. It's just £1 a week for an eight-week trial. Search The Times subscription for more information. We will be back on Thursday after Manchester City versus Spurs. And then, Gab, what will we be looking ahead to? Manchester City versus Spurs. Groundhog Day. How about that? The game is brought to you by The Times. For more information and more podcasts from The Times, head to thetimes.co.uk. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.